As we enter into the second week of Advent, we hear that the Word of God came to John in the desert, which makes me wonder why the Word of God doesn't come to me. Or does it? The Word of God comes to us all the time and everywhere, but we are so busy and it's so loud that we just don't listen. So maybe we do have to go into the desert. Deserts are a place of silence. How often are you silent? How uncomfortable are you with silence? Maybe this Advent, you need to make space for silence. Deserts are also a place of nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. How comfortable are you with nothing? Are you terrified of boredom? But you know that being bored is where creativity begins. Maybe this Advent, you need to make space for doing nothing, just sitting still. And deserts are uncomfortable places. Yeah, not a lot of comfort in the desert. And who likes to be uncomfortable? Yet, God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to greatness. So maybe this Advent, you need to get out of your comfort zone. Making space for silence and being open to being bored will make you uncomfortable. And then, who knows? Maybe you will begin to hear the voice of God. Advent is a time of the year when we are given the opportunity to go into the desert so that the Word of God can come to us. Go for it. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I am Billy Chen. And... Yes, Pedro. We're all here. We are. Yeah. I don't know. I always feel like I always have to start telling people, you, people need to write to us and visit our website, <laughs> saltandlighttv.org. <laughs> Uh, saltonlighttv.org slash radio, saltonlighttv.org slash advent. Yes. There's lots of slashes yes, to our website. that calendar is beautiful. A lot of, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, good is, job, Billy. Actually, thank you. And I, everyone else who helped you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Make sure you mention everyone. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. right? Because it takes a full team to put yeah, something like exactly. that together. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. No, and there's some awesome music videos from uh, a, a, a project called The Vigil Project that I think uh, yeah, I was featured that, on yes. Tuesday which is wonderful. So go to our advent calendar and mm-hmm. uh, no chocolate, but other treats. Yeah. Yes. Other treats. So Emily, today we have some news. We do. Do you want me to say what the news is? No. I mean, unless I- you want to. <laughs> yeah, we have news. There's some something happening in the church. The Pope has done some things. Okay, very good. And then after Emily's news, we have Mark Matthews from Hollywood coming to tell us what's good in Hollywood. He actually has something good that's happening in Hollywood that he wants to share. <laughs> so that's in about... Actually. That's in about... <laughs> t- no, because he's been talking about like social media uh-huh. and artificial intelligence and all that stuff. But this is actually something it's good something that's happening different. in Hollywood. So that's ten minute, in about 10 minutes after Emily's news. And mm-hmm. then, Billy, you have a question. Yes, the question this this week is not dummy anymore. It's not dummy? Yeah, it's very tough. It's a hard question, I know. Yeah. Billy, I have to admit, he actually told me the question last week because I had to two go. Weeks. I, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, really? Yeah, I had to yeah. research. <laughs> I had to research. But but it's a good question, and I think it's a question that a lot of people have. So uh, a question about the Catholic Church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Every Pretty time. literally, yeah. it is yeah. about the Catholic Church. That gives absolutely nothing yeah. away. Okay, so I have a question. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question for you guys. Yes. So uh, who of you is very comfortable with suffering, death, and dying? No, I'm a very emotional person. I don't think I can be really well taking care, manage my you know, emotions or any suffering. No. It's tough for me, I think. Is it? Yeah, I think for most people. Yeah, yeah I think I, I don't really know how to talk about it. I, I mean, I'm, for a long time, for a long time, I wasn't thinking about my own death no, or, no, you know, but recently I feel like it's something that's 
a conversation I've been having more and more. <laughs> you're getting older. I'm getting older. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, I don't know why, but it's something No, you're something right. That's and then been... you get to like my age. Mm-hmm. And now it's like I'm at the age where my mm-hmm. parents, like all the older gen, uh-huh. it, they're all dying. Uncles and aunts. Right. And mm-hmm. like, it's like but the thing dying. is, is that it's something that can happen surprising. Like it, it's, you it know, can you can have a bad accident. It could be a very yeah. tragic death yeah. as well. So yeah. it's like, even though I'm young, it's yeah, still something I feel like I need to well, think Well, no, about. and I even think like during Advent, you hear all these readings about the end of times yeah. and it's like you're you're constantly thinking Maybe like be prepared be ready for the <laughs> right, kids it exactly. can happen at any time and I think that but I also think that um, I mean I don't know in, in other countries in the United States I know in mm-hmm. Canada we went through this whole conversation about euthanasia right. mm. and assisted suicide assisted dying mm-hmm. and questions about suffering and dying mm-hmm. um so, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Sister Nula Kenny, um, who's a medical doctor, and she's written substantially about palliative care in our country. And she just published a book called Rediscovering the Art of Dying. The art? The, exactly. That's going to be my first question for her. It's like, why is dying an art? Um, mm-hmm. And so she's uh, hopefully she's going to tell us how it's neat because I and I did not expect this book to be about this, but she actually goes through Jesus's experience with dying wow. and how that she Beautiful. says reveals mm-hmm. it actually says that's the subtitle of the book. It reveals a new vision of compassionate care. Jesus's experience. Mm. So art of dying. I, I like I like uh, when she used rediscovering. Yes. It seems like, you know, it's we may be lost. It, we've lost it. We have because and I think not, that they yeah. do talk about that, that. This was an idea that ancient in the ancient times, people would have had a, a different relationship with death because mm-hmm. because they couldn't do anything about it. Now we think we can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so nobody wants to. We just want to skip this whole suffering. Anyway, this, right. this is a good mm-hmm. conversation. So that's uh, in about, uh, I don't know, 25 minutes. Sister Nula, Sister Doctor <laughs> Nula Kenny. Uh, is going to be talking to us about the art of dying. And then at the end of the show, we're going to be uh, speaking with, and I'm excited about this, and so is Emily, because <laughs> uh, Canadian singer-songwriter Steve Bell. Emily, yes. you, you need wow. to introduce us to what? Steve Bell. All yours, all yours. <laughs> Oh man, he's a he's a great uh, singer songwriter storyteller as well. I've yes. had the opportunity to hear him in concert often. I was a little mm. girl when my dad first took me to a concert by Steve Bell. Yes, um, and I I still remember those first concert when we drive up to Ottawa. Um, and he's a great a great storyteller. I've listened to all his CDs. I know many of his songs by wow. heart. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, and a super fan. Um, and it's great it's because great. he's a uh, great guitar player. Yeah, he is. And it's, you know, <laughs> traditional talented. kind of folk music, yeah. Christian, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why he's on the program, and it's a great, um, I'm so happy because mm-hmm. I've known about Steve Bell for 20 years. Um, but he just uh, has a new book series, which is his first because he's never actually published a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's published by Novalis called The Pilgrim Year. Um, and it's a devotional. It's actually a group of, it's seven books, a series of devotionals on that follows the liturgical seasons of the year. Um, wow. The box looks really nice. Yeah, it's very yeah. nice. Seven little books. They're very small. I actually took stole Emily's copy there. And <laughs> and the book, um, no, it's, 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 it's great. Uh, it, it's actually very good, very easy to read. Stories, mm-hmm. uh, but that follow the liturgical year. So there's Advent, Christmas, Lent, Holy Week, Easter, Ordinary Time. And there's a CD. And there is a CD. Yeah, very good. So um, the book, um, so what, what Steve did, well, he'll tell us in the, in the interview, um, uh, but the book comes with uh, two companion CDs of his music that kind of go really well with his reflections mm-hmm. uh, on the liturgical seasons. And so 
another great excuse to play music by yes. a very talented Canadian, Canadian. Uh, artist. So why don't we start with uh, a song from that compilation. Here is Steve Bell with his rendition of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel from the new Pilgrim Year Companion CD. Some captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Severed from the roots of ritual, we surf the surface of a widescreen world and find no virtue in the virtual. We shrivel on the edges of a wood whose heart we once inhabited in love. Now we have need of you, forgotten root, the stock and stem of every living thing whom once we worshipped in the sacred grove. For now is winter, now is withering, unless we let you root us deep within under the ground of being, graft us in. Oh, come great Lord of splendor, power and might, who to your ragged tribes on Sinai's height, in ancient times inscribed the sacred law, in fire and cloud, in majesty and Steve Bell with O Come, O Come Emmanuel from his new Pilgrim Year Companion CD. And we're going to be speaking with Steve Bell in about 30 minutes. But first, Emily is still here with our news. 
Yes, Pedro. So, the general audience yes. haven't spoken about it in a while. No, no. It's, well, it's not usually news- no, but newsworthy. It's not. But this week, Pope Francis uh, started a new series of catechesis. Okay, Because yeah. um, for a long time, he was speaking about the Ten Commandments. Yes. And, and this past week, he started a new series on the prayer of the Our Father. Oh, nice. Right? Which I thought was great. I thought, you know, I need to, I need to, you know, re- know more about yes. the Our Father and, and kind of... You know, renew my my love of the prayer of this prayer. But yeah. he was saying um, that uh, that it's an important prayer, and that it was Jesus's answer when he when he gave that right. um, when he shared that prayer with his disciples. It's something that came from their question of you know, Lord, teach us how to how pray. To pray yeah. And so his uh, his catechesis on Wednesday was about that, about the need to constantly be renewed in prayer mm. and that even though we think maybe we're experts, maybe we do it every day, but we're always invited to renew our prayer. And so right. um, that was his uh, nice. brief message in the general audience this week, which you can find yeah. very easily online. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, no, that's good. I actually mm-hmm. haven't been following a lot of his general audiences, but now I think I might because mm-hmm. we all need to mm-hmm. learn more about the Lord's Prayer. And did you know that the French prayer? Sorry, yes, but there's a new translation. There's a new translation. I know. And you know what? It's funny because I heard I heard that news. Yes. But I heard the news and it made it sound like they had changed the English. But then I didn't no. hear the news coming from Salt and Light TV. And I thought, how come we never reported on that? But right. it's the French translation. It's the French. Yes. And no one cares about the French translation. Well, people who speak French. People who speak French. But yeah, so they, they changed the last line. Yeah, lead uh, us. I think that the English yes. will be changed as well. Right. Lead us not into temptation. So yes. anyways, um, a bit of an old piece of news. But yes. So uh, as well, I think most of our listeners know that uh, former president, U.S. President George H.W. Bush uh, yes. passed away um, at the age of uh, 94 on November 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pope Francis this week sent a telegram um, to the Bush family and uh, he he says in his te- telegram um, that he is saddened to learn of the death of the former president mm-hmm. um, and that he offers his heartfelt condolences and assurance of his prayers to all the Bush family. Um, he commended President Bush's soul to the merciful love of Almighty God and invokes upon all who mourn his passing the divine right. blessings of strength and peace. So that yes. was his um, his message uh, to the Bush family after the passing of the former president. Right. Final piece of news. Um, mm-hmm. The Holy See has approved um, the uh, constitutions of Regnum Christi. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, this is a society of apostolic life. So approve them as a society of apostolic life. Okay. Um, and this happened um, actually on November 27th. But I, I just saw this and I thought this was interesting. Yes. Um, so basically... Through this recognition, the church is expressing that consecrated women and lay consecrated wem- uh, men right. uh, of Regnum Christi are recognized um, officially and, and also said, you know, are a gift that contributes to the mission of the church herself and as a way for men's encounter with God, yeah. um, which is something that was in a, in a press release that was um, mm-hmm. published recently. Um, Good. No, yeah. that's, that's wonderful. I think that, that that might be a question for, for Billy, actually, because mm-hmm. I think there might be confusion as to how... Uh, it's not a religious congregation. Right. It's what did you call it? A society of apostolic, of apostolic life. So right. there's, so there's lay all women, these little categories yeah. of, of mm-hmm. communities and lay associations and movements yes. and what's a congregation and what's a religious organization and what's because yes. Renum Christi has existed for a long time. I it know has, I know women definitely. who are members of Renum Christi. Same. 
but I didn't know that they weren't recognized. Um, I mean, they must have been recognized as something, but now they're officially recognized. So congratulations to all our friends. There might be some listeners that are... uh, that have a, uh, an association with Renium Christi or with the Legionaries of Christ. Uh, thank you, Emily. You're welcome, Pedro. Lots of good news with Emily Callan, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hi, I'm Amanda Vernon, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to saltandlighttv.org radio. All our programs are archived there. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome back to the program. Hello, my friend. So there's some good... Always a pleasure to be here. I know, and some good things happening in Hollywood. Yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about something good in Hollywood, and that is stand-up comedy. I started taking a stand-up comedy class, believe it or not. Really? But Mark, you're the funniest guy I know. You should be teaching the class. (laughs) Oh, thank you, thank you. Um... Well, believe it or not, I'm I'm not the funniest guy in the world already. Um, and you know what? I've been a little resistant to try doing a stand-up comedy class just because you kind of think, or at least I kind of think sometimes, I'm like, oh, it's always just all those filthy jokes and humor. And I'm like, right. is this really something I want to do? But I have been very, very pleasantly surprised um, that stand-up comedy is actually a fantastic way to share the truth. Um Comedy is not, you know, about, you know, filthy jokes. It's actually about two main things, uh, truth or authenticity and surprise. Uh Um, And the component of surprise can come from authentically being humorous or it can come from shock value. And so, yeah, when people are, you know, filthy, they're just violating kind of social norms. But if you actually want to be a a good comedian, um, you should be creative. And so that, that is what I have been learning or what our teacher has been teaching us. Right. So it's been very enlightening for me. Uh, and the first thing that I want to point out is that Christ used humor quite a bit. Okay. Uh, you, you, you look at say, some of the scriptures, say, such as, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. You know, Christ very clearly did not mean that literally. So when Christ said that, you know, I'm sure he meant it in a humorous way, and I'm sure his audience, you know, they would have gotten a good laugh out of it. Um, but it's also in, it, it, incredibly true in a, in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's relating the truth, but then it but was also humor. very effective, because, right. you, know, you know, that we always pay more attention when a speaker is, you know, humorous and, you know, engaging. And, and this is one of the things that, you know, they, they use to engage us. Mm-hmm. So made me realize, like, oh, this is going to be a fantastic thing for, for teaching. And so no surprise that the excellent teacher that Christ is, that he used humor. Right. The other thing that's really interesting about comedy is it has to be believable and come from a place of truth. So mm-hmm. in my class, we actually started off with uh, where the teacher, who's, who's actually a Christian, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. he interviewed us for 15 minutes in front of the rest of the class. And so it was questions like, oh, so who are you? You know, eventually came up like, "Oh, you have do you have faith in your life? Oh, you're Catholic, eh? Oh, has has that ever asked anything of you? Oh, well, actually, yeah. You know, I'm committed to chastity. Oh, really? Wow. Well, tell me about that. 
you know, oh, you're not married yet. Oh, well, you haven't found someone in L.A.? And so it was really kind of funny because, you know, you started sharing all these things with the class that, you know, normally would, you know, you might take like a couple months until you kind of get to know someone about these things. So it was actually kind of fun uh, because in my class we knew, you know, kind of exactly who everyone was and where we came from right away. And we're a very wide (laughs) spread of people. One is like, you know, an actress who's a tomboy. Uh, an actor from Australia. We've got a retired substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. We actually have a writer for Hustler mm. um, and an anime voiceover actor. Mm. So wow. it's made for a very, yeah, very fun, uh, engaging social dynamic, just right. kind of like, hey, knowing where you're from. Yeah. But then also, in order to do good humor, humor is not about just coming up with kind of like random stories. It actually, one of the key foundations of humor is it has to be believable. It has to be something that people actually believe is coming from you and that is Mm -hmm. authentic. Mm -hmm. So it's also become this sort of this very interesting way to, you know, psychoanalyze, you know. So we're joking, you know, that the actress who's a tomboy, you know, she went from, you know, giving her set to like, next thing you know, the instructor is like, oh, well, tell us a little bit more about your mother, you know, we started kind of psychoanalyzing her mother. So, right. Uh, it, it's just a fantastic uh, learning experience mm-hmm. in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I see, I see this as good in, you know, a number of ways. One of them, you know, uh, is even, say, sort of evangelistic, like, hey, this is sort of a way that you can actually be authentically be yourself. So some of the stuff that I've been coming up with is, you know, about my journey and my walk, you know, as a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you might know too, uh, have you, I'm sure you've heard of Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a very successful comedian and he's also uh, a strong Catholic or mm-hmm. as he describes, he says his wife is the stronger Catholic and he jokingly calls her a, a Shiite Catholic. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, his stories are actually just very simple things, uh, stories about say, Oh, eating a hot pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, you know, his wife had brain cancer recently, yeah. and so you know he's got a whole routine on that. And it's just it. it anyway, this is it's been a real eye-opening, fascinating experience for me. And so I, I invite our listeners today to uh, you know even be more open to hey, look for look for say some of the good in comedy. So are we going to get to 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 watch you perform sometime, Mark? Well, hopefully, uh, my my material isn't ready yet, but uh, you know, st- stay tuned. Maybe I'll have you know a comedy special coming. Absolutely, up like would that. love to see it. We'll we'll put it on the radio. You can yeah. try you can try your jokes on us and see if they're any good. Okay, you guys be my test audience. Okay, very good. There you have it. Something good in Hollywood stand up comedy for everybody, including Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Pedro. Remember to follow him at HUMissionary. Hey, this is Ali Aliyah, musician and speaker, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Find out all about Salt and Light Media at our website, saltandlighttv.org. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan... The designer of that wonderful website, saltandlighttv.org. <laughs> Remember to look at the Advent Calendar. At, oh, yes, the Advent Calendar <laughs> at saltandlighttv.org slash Advent. Advent. Very easy. Mm-hmm. There you go. I actually have been looking at that Advent Calendar, um, but uh, there's no answer to your questions on that calendar, Billy, because you have a lot of hard questions. <laughs> no, this week you know, I asked a lot of people and they said that it's a very hard question. So that's why I want to challenge you. Okay. 
<laughs> this time. Okay, so we we always call ourselves Catholics. Yeah. Yes. Right. We are Catholics. We are Catholics. But um, I'm pretty sure that the word Catholics does not exist uh, in Jesus' time. So okay. Jesus. Uh, well, yes, it okay. did exist because the word Catholic is actually a word in Greek, and at oh. the time of Jesus, mm-hmm. the common international like business language was Greek. It's very likely that Jesus spoke Greek. Oh, very because that they would have had to because Israel had before the Romans was a Greek uh, under the Greek Empire. So that was like the language of Saint Paul spoke Greek. Like they all spoke Greek. So the word Catholicos is a Greek word that means universal. Oh, okay. It means okay. universal. So they would have used it. It actually it literally means of of the whole. Like H W H O L E of the whole, the wholeness, it's complete. So, so they would have used that word as a, as we would use the word universal, mm. right? It's of the whole universe, of the whole world. Now, um, but you're right. Jesus never said, uh, "I'm starting a new church uh, that's called the Catholic Church," right? Or he never even said, "Start a new church." Or oh, starting a new religion. I mean, nobody it? even. Uh, I mean, the Christians. Uh, scripture does say that they call themselves, or they were called Christians. Oh. Um, in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. in, 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 I think, Antioch, they started calling, other people started calling them Christians because they were followers of the Christ. So that makes sense. The people of Christ. Yeah. Right, Christian. Um, but they, don't, they call themselves followers of the way. The way was uh-huh. what they called themselves. So the, the Christians themselves didn't call themselves Christians. But you made me look. And so <laughs> the first time that the term Catholic uh, was used... Uh, was actually in the first century, around the year 100 or 107, 110 A.D. So not long so after very, Jesus. No, not long at all, mm-hmm. in fact. But by then, all the apostles would have probably had died. Mm-hmm. But this is like the second generation, and it was St. Ignatius of Antioch who was the who succeeded St. Peter as Bishop of Antioch when Peter went to Rome. Okay. So this guy was uh, uh, Ignatius of Antioch. As he was going to his own martyrdom, he wrote a letter to the Smyrnians or the Smyrnaeans in Smyrna, and he wrote, wherever the bishop shall appear, there let the multitude also be, even as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church, but Catholic with a small c. Mm. So he was meaning the universal church, okay, because he's writing in Greek, okay? Um, About... 50 years later, a guy named Polycarp, who was actually had been the bishop in Smyrna, that Ignatius had been writing to, um, uh, when he died, the person who wrote the, uh, the account of his martyrdom wrote that St. Polycarp, uh, on his final prayers before giving up his life, remembered, quote, okay, this is a quote, remembered all who had met him at any time, both small and great, both those with with and those with renown and the whole Catholic Church throughout the world. So he remembered the whole Catholic Church, the universal. So already they're using this term. Um, but officially. Okay, but wait. Okay. <laughs> Clement of Alexandria, about 10, 20, um, oh, maybe 50 years later, mm-hmm. again, he actually defined the term. It is evident, he said, that these later heresies, because he's talking about people who disagreed with the church teachings, and those that are still more recent, um, are spurious innovations on the oldest and truest church. We say that the ancient and Catholic church stands alone in essence 
and idea and principle and preeminence. So he's already saying that the oldest and truest church is the Catholic Church. By now, they're they're starting to refer to the Catholic as almost the name of the church. Mm. Um, and then Cyril of Jerusalem in the year 386 wrote, the church is called Catholic because it is spread throughout the world from end to end of the earth, also because it teaches universally and completely all the doctrines that man should know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I assume at that time they still use Greek as the language, right? Yes, they did. Okay. So, but the only thing, so you ask about when it was defined. Uh-huh. So clearly by the first ecumenical council of the church, which was in Nicaea, where we get the Nicaean Creed. So in the Creed, we say that we believe in one, one holy Catholic mm-hmm. and apostolic church. So those are the four marks of the church. So by then, the council of Nicaea in the year 325, all the official documents from Nicaea are referred to as the official documents of the Catholic Church. So from the early first century all the way to the, you know, 200 years, it, it, that term was already being used, but maybe informally until at some point by the time we get to the Council of Nicaea, it's used officially and then it's it's used officially ever since then. Do they still use the word Christian? Um, At that time? They they did, although officially you will never find any church documents that actually refer to the Catholic Church as the Christian Church. Oh. It's a very interesting, but that's another good question. But I did I did find that anywhere. So I don't know if you wanted to spend more time with this next time. Maybe it's, next it's, time. It's, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely a very good question. Um, why is the church Catholic? Yeah, where, did, need, where did that come from? We need to know our origins. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so maybe next week we can continue this yeah, conversation. Yeah, definitely. Good. Thank you, Billy. Billy Chan, a seasoned radio host and webmaster at saltandlighttv.org. Go to that website and see all his wonderful work, especially with the Advent calendar, saltandlighttv.org slash advent. And you you can follow Billy at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, The Art of Dying and a featured chat with Canadian singer-songwriter Steve Bell. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I think it's safe to say that most of us are uncomfortable with death and none of us want to suffer. But suffering and death are an inevitable part of life and our Catholic faith has some very specific teachings on the meaning of suffering and dying. There is a new book that can help us reflect on the questions that we all face regarding health, illness, suffering, and dying. Rediscovering the Art of Dying is written by medical doctor and religious sister Nula Kenny. It links Jesus' own experience of suffering and death with real-life stories about patience. In a world where people talk about what it means to die with dignity and quality of life in the end stages, this book is sure to guide attitudes, decisions, and actions in those moments of stress. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Sister Nula Kenny. Sister Nula, welcome to the Sultan Light Hour. Oh, thank you, Pedro. Happy to be here. So I have to ask you, because the title of the book is Rediscovering the Art of Dying. Why is dying an art? (laughs) Well, first you need to know, Pedro, I have a number of friends of mine who, when I was writing this, um, at the encouragement and support of uh, uh, Novalis and particularly Joe Sinisak, the publisher, yes, uh, people would say, the art of dying, I don't want to read about the art of dying. Right. Why are you writing about that? <laughs> yeah. And it's because they don't understand two things. The art of dying, the, the medieval tradition uh-huh. of the art of dying, is precisely ars moraniendi in the Latin, yeah. is ars vivendi. It is the art of living. Right. The, the art of dying, the medieval tr- 
tradition of a good death was precisely to acknowledge the sudden rapid death that was occurring because of the plagues across Europe mm-hmm. and helping people to think and pray and reflect with preaching and teaching on being prepared for any moment in your life. Right. When, when death might come, as the scripture says, Pedro, like a thief in the night. Exactly. So the art of yeah. dying is the art of living. Now, in our day, there's a second component to that, mm-hmm. because what has happened, and I know this as a physician, I did pediatric end-of-life care, pediatric children dying, Pedro, yeah. for 34 years, probably the most difficult deaths wow. that there are. Yes. And the issue, the second part of the importance of the art of dying in our time, is because we have now come to understand dying not as a natural part of life hmm. for families and communities, but as the failure of medical science and technology. Yes. And as a result, we have moved to medicalize the experience of dying. And now, right. with medical aid in dying, the Bill C-14, we actually have medicalized death itself. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why we need to rediscover, because you're saying that this would have been traditionally, I guess, in medieval times, ancient times, uh, the attitude or the proper attitude that, in fact, was common. Um, right, and it, and it simply, con- Pedro, it simply continued the long-standing tradition. And when I lecture on this, as I had the grace to do many in many many dioceses in the country now, yeah, I mean, it, it, this continues the long-standing Christian tradition of a good death, where Saint Joseph is the patron. Yes, yes, absolutely. So this is about a good death, or as we say when we celebrate the Holy Week Mysteries, a happy death. Yeah, right. Which is interesting because everybody now, especially in light of the whole uh, assisted dying conversation, that everybody talks about dying with dignity, but you would say that to, to really die with dignity would be that good death, right? What, because what, uh, Pedro, you're absolutely correct, because what has happened, and this, th- this is so terrifying, I've spoken now and it, it, it recently in a number of places, including two big conferences on pedagogic and catechetical challenges for our young people. Right. Because uh, uh, the new normal, mm-hmm. so, since 2016, so 2015, February 2015, Canada, in its Supreme Court decision, decriminalized medical assistance in death. Yes. Both doctor-performed euthanasia and medically-assisted suicide. suicide. Yeah. It took a year and a bit to legalize and regulate it. That was Bill C-14, entitled inappropriately Medical Assistance in Dying, Mm -hmm. because it's not about medical assistance in dying, it's medical assistance in death. But during that period of time, what we see um, is that people have, very rapidly now, since August of 2016, Pedro, this has been legal. It's happening in the country. They're now reporting deaths per year mm-hmm. uh, that are occurring. So it is the new, it is normal, the new normal for young people. Yeah, And so there's a huge issue now for us to be able to understand the new normal of a death with dignity is not death in, right. in the Christian understanding. Right, absolutely. But it is a death that is controlled and chosen. And, and, and uh, that Christian understanding... Uh, a Catholic understanding, I think, is is key also because, I mean, at least for us anyway, and our listeners, I was I, I did not expect when I picked up the book that the the the, the parallel with Jesus's experience was going to be part of the book, and so I wanted to ask you about 
about that, you know, choosing to to use Jesus's suffering and death experience. Um, how does that experience reveal, as your subtitle says, you know, how does that reveal to us a vision it, it of compassionate it's care? Because it's the only it's the only way to understand suffering. Okay. Uh, I I'm when the Supreme Court decision came about, I had been involved for years in the leading up that was supporting the Canadian Conference of Bishops and opposing the leg- previous mm-hmm. legislative attempts. Mm-hmm. When this happened on February 5th of 2015, um, I had to read the Supreme Court decision twice because I am a doctor and an ethicist. I, I'm not a lawyer yeah. reading legal, but I was, I was totally devastated as an adopted Canadian Mm-hmm. by the way this has changed our care for each other, particularly the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. as a physician for whom this was a total rejection of the 2,400-year tradition of Hippocratic ethics. Mm-hmm. 2000, this is pre-Christian era. I mean, 200 years before the Christian era, there's a Pythagorean epigram in the Hippocratic body of writings, thou shalt not give a deadly right. drug even at the request of a patient. The, this is not about cloning or a new technology where we have to ponder in what way mm-hmm. to use this new technology being faithful to the fundamental beliefs mm-hmm. about life and dignity, etc. As old as time, you could give hemlock. Yeah. <laughs> we have always been able, when a patient says, Doc, can't you do something right. to end life? Mm-hmm. But we have not legalized this until uh, we came to the middle of the 20th century, and now in Canada, it's in the 21st century. So right. the, the issue is, is a hugely serious one. Yeah, you ask, is. why did I go to Jesus? It's because clearly there is clear and consistent Catholic moral teaching from mm-hmm. the 14th century, by the way, <laughs> long-standing teaching, about both the duty and obligation to take reasonable care of our life, but also the obligation and duty not to pursue medical technology for biological prolongation of life as an absolute good. That's not, that's not what our teaching is. Mm-hmm. But this is not the time, I, I, I think, in the public space, nor with Catholics in the current cultural environment, to talk about the moral. I mean, we, we can say those things are important. But to my mind, this goes directly and intentionally to the central tenet of our faith. Yeah. Primary, primary, fundamental. People don't. They think Christmas is the central tenet. I mean, the incarnation yeah, it, is clearly important, and it allows for for the Paschal mystery. But, but the central yes. tenet of our faith is God so loved us mm-hmm. that He sent His Son to suffer and die for us. So, in my devastation over what I saw happening, as a Canadian by adoption, as a doctor by ministry, and as a Roman Catholic sister and, and, mm-hmm. and faithful adherent to the church, uh, we had to go the only place you can go, and that's to Jesus and yeah. experience. Which is wonderful, and I really want to encourage our listeners to, to pick up this book. This book is not just for people who are at the end stages, it's not just for people who have a loved one who is dying, it's for everybody for that very same reason, sister. Well, uh, yeah, the, it, the, the, thank you for saying that, because this is, this is something that a number of my the people who've written it, read it, and even as I, I was writing it and sending it out for, for comments and reviews, yeah. it's only it's, the, the very last chapter, so it's, Jesus, it's tracking Jesus' experience from Gethsemane to resurrection. Mm-hmm. And the first third of every chapter is Jesus' experience. 
Then the second section of every chapter is, what in our own experience can map to Jesus's, Mm -hmm. so that we can find solace and support and strength. Mm -hmm. This is not to mean, suffering is real, Pedro, we're not saying it's not. This is about the different kinds of ways in which, in our time, we need to begin to think about how medicine, and I'm a doctor, I've been chief of two children's hospital, Pedro. I yes. love it when we can do wonderful things. Mm-hmm. But I know well the limits. Yeah. And I know that at all times, I mean, the, the limits are inevitable. Look at the reasons that people request medically assisted death, and then look at how the yeah. Christian community, Catholic community in we particular, yeah. has, has depended upon professionals, and we've abrogated what we would have historically known, Pedro, Mm-hmm. as the spiritual and mm-hmm. corporal works of mercy. Absolutely, and and maybe that's a great place to end because mm-hmm. because it's a good call to action that that we not Correct. only need to go get the book and read it and understand it, understand what our church teaches better, but then also go out and make a difference in how we respond to people's suffering. Sister, absolutely. If we're if we're going to prophetically resist medically assisted death as the medicalization of suffering and death, then we have to give prophetic witness to care and justice. Amen, sister. We have Amen. to leave it there. We have to leave okay, it there. Thank but you, thank, thank you. you very much for writing the book and for doing the work that you do. And I hope that we see you here in uh, Toronto very soon. Okay. God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Nula Kenny is a member of the Sisters of Charity of Halifax. She's an officer of the Order of Canada and the author of What Good is Healthcare? Reflections on the Canadian Experience and Healing the Church, both published by Novalis. Her third book is Rediscovering the Art of Dying, How Jesus' Experience and Our Stories Reveal a New Vision of Compassionate Care, and it's also published by Novalis. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Steve Bell with Magnificat, by John Michael Talbot from his Pilgrim Year companion CD. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord And my spirit exalts in God my Savior For He has looked With mercy on my loneliness And my name Will be forever exalted For the done great things for me and his mercies will reach from age to age and
That was Steve Bell with John Michael Talbot's Magnificat from his Pilgrim Year companion CD. Steve Bell is a songwriter, storyteller, and all-around troubadour. Over the course of his 25-year solo music career, he has been sharing a message of love, hope, and faith through songs, stories, and various writings. And now he can add published author to that list of accomplishments. His book series of devotions inspired by the liturgical seasons of the church is titled Pilgrim Year and is published by Novalis. And to learn more, while he was in town last week, I had the chance to speak with Steve Bell. Steve, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks. It's really good to be here. It's so good. You know what? I mean, you you have no idea who I am, but I've known about you for a long time. Oh, okay. A long okay. time. And in fact, it was through Catholics. Mm-hmm. Who not uh, here. I am already branding. Is like you're not Catholic. <laughs> um, like what, what I said, I was not going to do. Yeah. But uh, no. So it's so it's a great privilege. I mean, not just as because of your trajectory, your career, but as a Canadian too. I think oh, we're very proud you. of you as a Canadian. But I think uh, a lot of our listeners. Maybe you're not familiar with Steve Bell. Sure. Like down this in, in the US, if you've got US yeah. listeners, yeah, I've got less less listeners. I get down there, but not as much. Yeah. Now you've been doing music for a long time. Yep. I heard you say last night uh, that you didn't really set out to be a singer songwriter. It just kinda sort of happened. Like one day you're like, Hey, I guess I'm a singer songwriter. So what what <laughs> how would you say <laughs> who is Steve Bell? Well, you know what I when I was growing up as a teenager, I mean I wanted to do music, but it never occurred yeah. to me it was an option. Yeah. And then I got out of high school um, looking for work and, you know, just didn't really know what to do with my life. And so I started playing in nightclubs, yeah. basically to kill time <laughs> until I figured out what I was supposed to do f- for a living. Uh-huh. So I spent a decade in the clubs. Yeah. And at, at that, during that point, I got married and had kids. And at a certain point, that starts to wear thin. You, uh-huh. you go on six nights a week and making no money. And it's not a healthy environment to be in all the time. Right. No, not at <laughs> you all. Know? And so um, when I, you know, but at, at that point, what am I supposed to do? And, yeah. and so I quit the clubs. Um, but that's when this, this, the music that I'm now known for started to come out. Okay. Um, this sort of devotional, often scripture-based um, um, sort of lyrical right. music. Um, and 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 I didn't 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 occur to me I could do anything with it. But people started hearing it, inviting me to to play in churches and right. do concerts, and that turned into albums. And it's kind of slowly over a couple of years became a thing. That right. all of a sudden I went, oh, I'm a singer songwriter, and and not only that, I'm a devotional Christian singer songwriter. Well, that that was what I'm going to ask you. So were you always were you always a Christian? Yeah, yeah. My dad's I come from Baptist stock. Yeah. Um, and you know had you know your classic sort of evangelical, you know, conversion experience yeah, at yeah. DVBS when I was eight years yeah, old. Yeah, you know yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, you were saved. Yeah, I was yes. saved. Oh, all that. Yeah. Don't yes. worry, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but our life was complicated. My mother has suffered with mental illness her whole life. Okay. Um, and and there's other sort of sorrows and tragedies that we live through as so sort of all the sort of the, the, the Christian evangelical platitudes yeah. that are supposed to get you through and, and make everything okay didn't work for me. Uh-huh. Um, and so I found myself I was a believer, I just didn't know what to do with it. Okay. Right? And so I was a I was a confused believer. <laughs> right. You know, um and I didn't really know what to do with um sort of the vagaries or, or the, 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 the difficulties of life that I wasn't expecting right. that shouldn't come to those who are faithful. Right, exactly. Right, that, that's sort of the theology, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, so it took me a while, and it was actually through a lot of um, Catholic um, and Eastern Orthodox 
writings and friends and right. um, stuff where I, I sort of um, – you guys do a better job of sort of a theology of sorrow and grief mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and, you know um, – yeah, suffering. And yeah. suffering. We have a theology of brokenness and sin, yes. which I know you do as yes. well. Yes. But we don't have a great one for sorrows mm-hmm. and suffering. And it's sort of through there that, you know, my faith started to make sense. Right, um, and so a lot of people, you know, assume by listening to my music and my stories often that I'm that I'm sort of cradle Catholic, and I'm really not. Yeah, no, it's in- yeah, but it's but true. It, I can but see it that. is through those influences that. that my faith started to make sense. Now, to were me. you already an adult when this was happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was it my mom? No, when you were when your faith started making yeah. Me yeah. sense that you so, were yeah, so yeah, so in to in, in the late it. my late twenties, yeah. and then when I left the clubs, um, um, that's when all of a sudden scripture started to form melodies when I read them. And had you been? But you had been writing music before. Yeah, secular stuff. So you, you know, okay. just for the nightclub scene, and and but not that much writing. We were mostly cover bands. I didn't th- see myself as a songwriter. Okay. Other than I wrote the occasional song. Right, but the songs that were coming out at this time were songs that were reflecting your your spiritual, I guess, yeah, journey. Right. So. So what happened was an old family friend, Father Bob McDougall, he used to okay. be on Huntley Street uh-huh. um, years ago. Some, 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 oh, I guess, yeah, you listeners wouldn't know this. But he, he came to my house and he said, I think you should do a gospel album. Right. And I said, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. And I said, I'm a failed bar musician, right? Yeah. Like, that's not what I do. And he said, I think you should. Yeah. And I said, well, he says, you must have, you know, a dozen songs you could do. I says, I suppose. But I said, who would pay for it? Like, where would I get this money? <laughs> and he said, how much would it cost? And I threw it a, a figure. Yeah. And this, this guy pulled out a checkbook and funded my wow. album. Uh, so my first album, which changed the course of my life, of course. was actually funded by a Catholic priest of course. who wow. just wrote a check. What a gift. Said, yeah, you need to do this. What right? a nice yeah. gift. And now how many albums since then? That's 20 albums ago. 20 albums yeah, ago. and thousands of concerts and, you know, yeah. Exactly. I know. And now a published author. Yeah, now a book. A yeah. book. <laughs> yes. A seven well, books. A, a, a book series. I know. Excuse I me. I know. Seriously. <laughs> so so uh, Pilgrim Year. Yep. Uh Going devote it's a, would you say it's devotion? It's devotion, following the yeah, liturgical yeah, season. It's, it's a seven book, uh, seven volume, um, slender volume um, yes, series of, right. of sort of meditative, meditative reflections on major aspects of the of the Christian the church calendar. Okay. So there's a book on Advent. There's a book on Christmas. There's a book on Epiphany. One right. on Lent. One on Holy right. Week, Easter, and ordinary time. Ordinary time. time. Um, it's interesting because you, you're saying I, I think that the devotionals, the books are very similar to your music in that the music is reflecting kind of what's happening inside of you. It, yeah. They're devotionals in a sense. Yeah. And now this is just a different medium. Can well, we say yeah, that? it's just another way of doing Because usually in, in my concerts, if you go to my concerts, I'm always telling stories that are setting yes. up these songs. So yes. basically what I've done, I've, yeah. I've kind of written them down yeah. in an orderly way. But I started looking back at my material and my music and realized how inf- influenced I've been by the church calendar year, which is weird for a... Protestants, yeah, right, and so, and I really, and and the more I, I, I realize the the profundity of this tradition, and how significant it is, um, I just, I just wanted my friends and people to, you know, say you need to pay attention to this tradition. Um, right, this is this is a deep, deep, rich resource for it us, is. and we don't know it's there. No, because I was going to ask you why, why devotions on the liturgical, like the seasons of the liturgical year, but you just answered it. Yeah, I mean, that's it's kind just, of speaking to you in a way that you. Th- 
think other people should pay attention. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think about it in terms of uh, the grand narrative. You know, we're always influenced by other people's, um, you know, whether it's television, you know, like a like I talked last night at the book launch, you know, Survivor. Yes. The show Survivor is a narrative yes, yes. Of, of a limited resource where there's one winner. Yes. Um, and that even friendships are strategy for yeah. for basically the decimation of, of competition. Yes. That's yes. a narrative. Yes. Um, and, and that narrative told over and over and over again is going to produce a certain kind of society that yeah. I think is quite dangerous. Yeah. But we have this um, another narrative of a super abundant God, an evergreen um, creation, yeah. uh, a God who loves what God has done mm-hmm. and, and, and is going to protect and sustain it. That's a, you know, which makes possibility, uh, makes love a possibility because yeah. it's not limited, mm-hmm. right? There's enough <laughs> yeah. and it's good. Right, and that yeah. that, and I think the, the the calendar year, the Christian calendar year, tells in in some really wonderful ways, tells that story over and over and over again. And we need that to seep into our DNA if we're going to be good musicians, politicians, scientists, yeah. um, you know, whatever. Right? Yeah, because and it also mirrors our daily lives. I mean, that's sort of what we're doing, yeah. you know, in terms Absolutely. of and here in North America, definitely the seasons, the winter, the the warmth, the summer. Yeah. Um, it, w- this program is airing. I, w- I was going to ask you, you know, kind of pick pick which is your favorite season and maybe give us some 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 <laughs> thoughts on that. Right. But it is an Advent, so maybe we should stick to Advent. And well, maybe it, give, that is my favorite. G- oh, good. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Advent is my favorite season. I mean, there's there's I mean, there's there's so many themes, and you know, you could write yeah. forty books on Advent and they'd be all different. I, it's just it's just a very it's a very deep and profound season. Yeah. But for me, I mean, it's such a maternal season. Yeah. It's a deeply maternal season, and I really believe this is true. That is the, the Advent season. I think, and I, people might object to this, is really about us. Uh-huh. It is uh, uh, when you think about the the, the the prototype Christian Mary, yeah, who received the seed of God in her womb and bore it f- forth for the sake of the world. Yeah, that is the dignity of every human being Amen. to receive the seed of God Amen. and to bear it forth for the sake of the world, not yeah. for my personal salvation, no. which is also quite important, mm-hmm. you know, but that we're blessed to be a blessing. And, it's, mm-hmm. and, it's, and the, the, the human person is created to be maternal spouse to the divine. Yes. And anything less is beneath our dignity. I know. I love that. You know, and, and, and that theme has been just churning in me since my, my mid-30s when I started to grasp what's behind the story of Mary is really about the dignity of, of the human person. Yeah. You know, notwithstanding that she's unique in history and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm as not, a model. But a prototype. Uh, yeah, as a prototype. Yeah. As a yeah. model for yeah. all of us that Christ, uh, that we are all God's maternal spouse. Maternal spouse, I yeah. love that. That is such a beautiful image. Yeah. And, and that we, that Christ comes, that, that we are called to bring Christ through us, Christ that, to give birth. Us. Yes, we give, give birth, birth to, Christ, to Christ in the world. In the world. To new life, yeah, to absolutely. the kingdom. I mean, yeah. the, the metaphor, you, know, you can, you can explode so this for decades. You can, okay. Yeah, but once, once that gets in your DNA, everything becomes wonderful. Amen. <laughs> and I think that that gives, right. that gives meaning to the other seasons. Well, see, that's the thing. It sort of sets up all the other seasons. Right. Right. And all of a sudden, a lot of things make sense uh, from that. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's key. I think it's vital. 
And of course, I mean, Advent has wonderful saints' days. You know, yes. there's, there's, you know, Nicholas, of course. Yes. You know, who's fun, you know, but, you know, St. John of the Cross's day yes. is in there. Father yes. John of Kronstadt's day is in yes. there. You know, uh, there's there's lots of, there's lots of, you got the um, the oracles of Isaiah are rehearsed. Um, right. The O antiphons. Yes. Like, there's just so there's much. A lot of, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. good. So then uh, that's an, enough of a teaser should be for people to be intrigued to get the books, mm-hmm. uh, not just the Advent one, to get the whole set. Yeah. Pilgrim Year. Uh, we'll let you know how to get that uh, in a little bit. Steve, it's been great having you here. Oh, thank you very much. It's an um, honor. Great, uh, great privilege for me to be able to to give birth to Steve Bell <laughs> to our listeners uh, of the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Good okay. to have you. Thank you. That was a conversation I had with Steve Bell last week. To learn more about him and his music, go to stevebell.com. His new book series is titled Pilgrim Year, and it's published by Novalis. You can learn more at pilgrimyear.com. Here now is Steve Bell with Keening for the Dawn from his Pilgrim Year companion album. On and on the night goes on, brooding dark before the dawn, we are waiting. We're listening to Steve Bell with Keening for the Dawn from his Pilgrim Year companion album, and that will bring us to the end of our program this week. And remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org radio. And that website is also where you, we post all the links to all our artists or guests. Remember that you can download the Salt and Light Hour podcast also off iTunes or off the Google Play Store. Contact us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. You can follow me on Twitter at Emmy Callen and Billy is at Bijo Chan. And I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. In the next couple of weeks, we have Rita West, PJ Anderson and Matt Marr. So you don't want to miss out on the next couple of shows. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Shriveling as we all increase, we are waiting. Wearied eyes taking the sights, smarting under tinseled lights, we are waiting. Break the too familiar word, hearing strains we've never heard, a double edge that pierces through the pain. And all that we shall see fulfilled, the dawning day we see your face again. Stirs the memory of your touch, we are.